You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here on this wonderful uh, Resurrection Sunday as followers of Jesus Christ. This is really a wonderful day for each of us as we remember uh, what our Saviour Jesus Christ has done uh, for us. Uh, A beautiful day, a wonderful day to come and to celebrate together. Uh, I'm here on my own today. Unfortunately, Gail's not able to come. We're having uh, Easter lunch at our place with uh, sort of the wider family. And uh, we also have my mum coming uh, from the nursing home, so we're looking forward to that. But uh, she would have loved to have been here with you as well. She did also hurt her back during the week as well, so that's really slowed her down uh, quite a bit. She's just recovering from that very very slowly too. But it's great to be here with you. Let's come before the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we give you thanks this morning as we come to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What a wonderful day, Lord. I thank you for giving your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for each and every one of us and that you rose again. We celebrate this now together. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. This is why Easter is important, isn't it? Why is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, this resurrection, why is it? It's essential, really, to the Christian faith, isn't it? Now, I remember there was a story about this uh, uh, Muslim man, and uh, he talked about how he became a Christian, and he said... Um, well, it happened like this, you see. Um, I had this, um, uh, this uh, uh, sort of like dream, you know, about going down and, and, and walking down this road. And then I came to a fork in the road. And the road went in two different directions. And, you know, when that happens... There were these two men there. Two men. One was dead and the other one was alive. So which one would you ask the right way to go? You see, that's why the resurrection is so important. As we... Uh, heard from the children uh, this morning. Wasn't it great with the kids? Thank you so much for uh, sharing that story with us. Um, As we saw from them, you know, this morning, we're here at the church. We're not at the cemetery. We're not in front of a tomb. As the angel said, the tomb is empty. This is the place where dead people are. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive again. Thank you for reminding us of that, children. That was great. So from our passage today, from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20 and the first 18 verses, thanks for reading that for us, Angelina. It really highlights to us, doesn't it? Just the central part, the central point of the resurrection plays in our faith as uh, followers of Jesus. In fact, I'd say it's the central point of all of human history when Jesus rose from the dead. 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very foundation of the basis of each one of our faith. You know, because without the resurrection, then really, you know, the gospel, it would be meaningless to us. And a forgiveness for our sins from God, well, it would be hopeless, wouldn't it? Our present life, we would live without any joy at all. And godly living would be just useless, <laughs> wouldn't bear any fruit at all. And our future life, well, we wouldn't really have one. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is like the dawning of a new day after a long, long, long night. Here our Saviour meets us personally, intimately, each and every one of us. Very unexpectedly by us, but not by Jesus. As we meet Jesus here at his resurrection, all of our grief, all of our sorrows and doubts are overcome. As we move from, from sight to true faith in Jesus. Now let's uh, turn to our passage and I want to look first of all uh, at the first 10 verses. And there's here this incredible story of the first disciples finding the tomb of Jesus empty. And uh, the other disciple, uh, the one whom Jesus loved, it says. This is the actual author of this gospel, John. And there in verse 8 he says that he saw... And he believed. To see the tomb empty is to believe, isn't it? Verse 1. Let's uh, begin with that. Now on the first day of the week, interestingly, uh, it's interesting actually that the four Gospels all start that way with the resurrection story. It says the first day of the week. Rather than saying three days after the crucifixion, it says the first day of the week. Maybe that's because they were really seeing this as the dawn, as the beginning of something entirely new. You know, that sin has now been dealt with, that we have a new beginning, a new relationship with God, a new testament with God. And so they call it. The first day of the week. Now, in the early part of the morning, while it was actually still uh, dark on Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene uh, went to the tomb of Jesus, expecting to find death. Instead, she uh, finds something very different, doesn't she? She was there on Good Friday. She saw Jesus die. Now, Jesus told them that after three days, he would rise again. In that sense, it wasn't news to them. But did they believe him? Well, yes, sort of. And on the other hand, not really, I suppose. You see, they had seen all of his miracles. They knew what Jesus could do. They believed that he was the Messiah himself. Peter had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Not all that long ago. 
But Mary had, um, she'd seen death before. She knew what happens when people die. She knew the, the certainty and the finality of it. Yet expecting death here at the tomb, she finds life. She didn't go looking for the resurrection, but the resurrection found her. That's really very much like me, actually. You see, I started at a point in time, I started looking for God. I began searching for God. And... um, I thought that I went looking for God, but it was interesting because when I found God, I realised that God had always been there. God had always been showing himself to me. It's not like suddenly I found God who was missing. It's more like, yes, now I realise that he's there. And he always was there. To me. Well, we all ask this question, don't we? What is love? And it's a big question, you know. But of course, love's got so many aspects to it. It's a wide-ranging word, um, and that's good. Because, you know... Love has such a wide-ranging application in all of our lives. You know, there's this kind of love where, you know, it makes you feel good. Uh, I love pizza. And uh, um, what does that mean, you know? I love pizza. It means I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing pizza. I get even more pleasure out of the smell and the taste and and eating it and the satisfaction I get from eating some great pizza. Maybe you do too. And that's really, you know, it's like a self-pleasing love, isn't it? You get pleasure from it. But there's another kind of love too. It's a kind of love that wants to do good for the other person. To bring about something beautiful in another. You know, rather than responding to, um, you know, how beautiful and delightful I get out of the other person, it's really not about how it makes me feel, but what I want to do for them. So let me talk with you for a moment about, about God's love for, for each and every one of us. See, it's God's love here at Easter, isn't it? It's God's love in Jesus' death. It's God's love in his resurrection for us. We see the heart of God in his great love for us at Easter. Let me say a few things about that, about God's divine love for you and for me. And first of all, you know, God's love, well, God loves even those who are least deserving. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God's love is so great 
because he willingly gives himself to people, people like you and me, people who actually don't love him, people who hate him, people who go against him. God's love is so great because, you know, we don't deserve it. Secondly, we understand how great God's love is by the price God is willing to pay to love us. John 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. God's very own son, Jesus, gave his life for you and for me. That's how much God loves you. And thirdly, we see how great God's love is for us by the great good that God wants to do for us. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, what does eternal life mean? Uh, John chapter 17 and verse 3 tells us that eternal life um, is that you may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Now, the greatest love is all about giving the greatest possible gift. And that gift is God himself. Having an eternal relationship with God. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that we can pay for that. It's God's gift to you and to me. And what a wonderful gift it is. And fourthly, you know, in the story of the prodigal son in John chapter 15, you know, when the father, who is, is God himself, sees his son coming home, returning, the prodigal son, what does he do? He gives him a big hug and a big kiss. And he puts a ring on his finger and a robe, a beautiful robe around him. And then he throws this huge party. God doesn't save us reluctantly. He doesn't do it because, because he's got to do it. But rather he does it because he loves you and me. He wants to do it. He wants to save us because he loves us so much. What is love? The love of Easter is God's divine love. A divine love for each and every one of us. A love that's willing to pay the highest price. The life of Jesus. For an undeserving person like me. To give us the greatest gift of all. Life with God forever in heaven. And God just loves doing that. He gets great pleasure from doing that for us. God loves it. Uh, now, in uh, the resurrection story, uh, here in these verses, we've got Peter. Uh, and his beloved follower, uh, the disciple John. John actually gets to the tomb first. He's obviously a faster runner. What do you know? Uh, but 
he gets a bit nervous. So he actually just stands outside of the tomb. He doesn't go in. Not straight away anyway. He waits. Uh, Peter then gets there. Peter is a bit more flamboyant. He goes straight into the tomb. Now the tomb is empty except for all these linen grave clothes that are lying around. And he sees this and then John seems to get um, a bit of courage and so he then uh, goes in and John suddenly understands. He suddenly understands. The only possible explanation for why this tomb could be empty The only possible explanation, you see, is that Jesus, who was crucified, the one who had been um, recently, he just uh, handed over responsibility for his mother to John. Uh, The Jesus who'd been buried in this tomb just three days ago. The only possible explanation is that he'd risen from the dead. It says there in verse 8, John saw and he believed. It seems that Peter here was still a bit more pondering and wondering what, what did all of this mean? He was still thinking about it. But John, in his own mind, he saw the empty tomb and he believed. Now most of the 12 disciples... They all came to faith in Jesus and and many of the other disciples as well after they'd actually seen the living Lord Jesus Christ. They saw him alive and kicking. We particularly see this with the Apostle Thomas, don't we, in John chapter 20, a bit later on in verse 29. uh, Jesus says to Thomas, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet have believed. But John here, he sees the empty tomb. He hasn't yet seen the resurrected Jesus, but he believes. You see the importance here of the empty tomb to John. It means that this isn't just some kind of spiritual um, resurrection. No. You see that it includes the body of Jesus, the physical body of Jesus. Now, there's some type of continuum between um, Jesus' pre-death body and his post-resurrection body. It's the same. It's the same person in physical form. All of the Bible tells us about the hope that we have in Jesus Our ultimate hope is in Christ. It's got its foundation in the resurrected body of Jesus. And you see this in various uh, parts of the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 13 to 18, for example. This is a certain hope that the Apostle John saw when he stared at that empty tomb. He saw... And he believed. Still somewhat puzzled and wondering about all that's happened, the Apostle Peter and John go home. 
And they go home and presumably they tell the other apostles about what they'd witnessed. And I imagine that John would have also told Jesus' mother Mary because, of course, she was in his care as well. And then next in the second half of this passage in verses 11 to 18, we have Mary Magdalene and she says, I have seen the Lord. Now, Mary Magdalene, she'd uh, stayed behind outside the tomb. She was crying, of course. Uh, This woman who'd had seven demons removed from her by Jesus. She loved Jesus. She loved his teaching. She, She supported what he was doing. She supported his work. She saw him there die on the cross. She was crying for her Lord. She was perhaps wondering, you know, what is life going to be like now that he's gone? What's life going to be like without Jesus? What would become of her now? Now, would it go back to being like before Jesus was around? I mean, was uh, she going to have those seven demons come back into her life again? And she sees an angel and asks, the angel asks her, why are you weeping, Mary? They've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. These are the words of a grieving woman. She's grieving after her God. Grieving after her Lord. Searching for him. Seeking after him. Wanting to find him again. Do I grieve like that after God? Do I really seek after God in my own life like Mary was here with all of her heart? Are we really wanting to find and to know God for ourselves? Are we wanting to see God like like Mary wanted to see God? Gee, we can learn a lot from Mary Magdalene, can't we? And then Mary, she sees a man doesn't recognise who he is. She thinks he's a gardener. But then she asks him about Jesus. And then Jesus calls her by name, Mary. And immediately she recognises who he is. She knows it's Jesus. And Jesus says to her in verse 17, Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now, I think it's quite possible here that um, her incredible joy at seeing Jesus at this moment, seeing him alive, obviously, she probably fell to her feet and was just hanging on to him, maybe hanging on to his uh, feet. So the thought here is really of stop holding on to me. I haven't yet ascended. I haven't yet gone back to my father. You don't have to hang on to me as if I'm going to disappear again. (laughs) Hey, right now this is a time for joy. This is a time to share this good news with others as well. It's not just for you, Mary. Stop clinging on to me. So go and tell my disciples. Jesus is saying here, I'm in the process of ascending back to my father 
and your Father, to my God and your God. Just see that personal touch there, isn't it? It's not just Jesus' God, he's our God. And Mary Magdalene, she goes back. She doesn't go back to Jesus' physical brothers. She goes back to the disciples, his spiritual brothers. And she tells them, I have seen the Lord. And that's what we tell people on Easter Sunday, isn't it? I have seen the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He's risen from the dead. I believe that. I know that it's true. I know in my own life. He lives today in my heart. And I know him and I have a relationship with him. He is alive. Now, the great theologian uh, John Stott, he said, Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of the resurrection lies at the very heart. If you remove it, then Christianity is destroyed. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has been raised, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile and you are still dead in your sins. But most importantly, I want you to look at the words that Jesus spoke himself in John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus said he is the way. He is the only way. And Jesus gives us a way to God. The way to eternal life for ourselves in our own lives. You see, Jesus' death on the cross, he died there for each and every one of us in God's greatest act of love for us. This is real love. This is true love. This is divine love. And at Easter here, this is the honest question that all of us have to ask ourselves. All of us have to answer, do you believe this? Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. All of us need to give Jesus an honest answer to that question. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord. I believe. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you at this time, giving you thanks for this beautiful, beautiful Easter Sunday. As we remember that you raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Father, for the giving of your son. Thank you, Jesus that you died for us and you showed us that this is true 
by coming back from the dead. Thank you for your resurrected body that shows us, Lord, that we too one day will be resurrected as well with you and live with you for the rest of eternity. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed your great love, this love that you have for us. And we ask, Lord, that today, as we remember, as we celebrate, as we enjoy it together, that we will give thanks to you and give thanks only to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.